Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. Am I on plenty loud? Sounded pretty loud to me, so be plenty loud. Well, welcome. So glad you're here with us this morning at Together Church. We're working together to become like Jesus and to help others become like him. And that's a team sport. Church is a team sport. If you're just joining us this morning, welcome. You're catching us right in the middle of this series called More Like You, where we're working our way through Jesus' most famous sermon. That's the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5. So we've been journeying through the Beatitudes. We've been seeing how all of these Beatitudes are spoken by Jesus to reveal to his disciples what it looks like for them to become more like him. Jesus is the perfect example of all of these Beatitudes lived out in human flesh. And so this morning, I'm not going to review the Beatitudes we've already visited, but you can go and review those on our website if you're just catching up with this series. And you can listen to the sermons preceding this one leading up to this fifth Beatitude that we're on this morning. And the fifth Beatitude is found in Matthew 5, 7. And in that verse, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, it's not very challenging to convince people of faith that God is merciful. That's not a very hard thing to do. In fact, the theme of God's mercy is all throughout Scripture. And I hope that you see it this morning as we talk about the mercy of God in the person of Jesus. But that's not the challenging part of this message. I think it'll be an encouraging part of this message, but that's not the challenging part. This is the challenging part of this message for you and for me as we work together this morning to dive deep into God's word. The challenging part of this message is for us to become convinced that we are to be merciful just like God is merciful that we are to be merciful just like God is merciful that is a tall order that is a big challenge and so here we are Matthew 5 7 blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy so what is mercy let's start right there what is mercy well mercy literally means to show compassion or to have pity on another person who is suffering. That's what mercy literally means. So in this way, mercy is tied to suffering. Whenever somebody is suffering, mercy is when I it literally means I'm going to go and show them compassion. I'm going to go and have pity on them. I'm going to relate to them. That's what mercy is, and it's tied to suffering. Everywhere there is suffering, there is a need for mercy. If you find suffering somewhere, then there's a need for mercy in that moment. To show true compassion towards someone who's suffering, you have to have empathy. You must have empathy to show true compassion to someone, not just sympathy. You know the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Sympathy is when I feel sorry that you're in pain. Oh, I'm sorry that you're in pain. That's sympathy. Okay, empathy is when I get close to your pain and I bear that pain with you. It's when I put myself in your shoes. It's when I really grab on to what you're feeling and I feel that too. 
That is empathy. To have true compassion, you can't just have sympathy. You have to have empathy. It means bearing the pain or burden with another person. So in this passage in Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In this sermon, the word merciful that Jesus chose to use is not a verb, it's a noun, and that's significant. So I want to show you this real quick. Blessed are the merciful. This is what Jesus said in the sermon. The word merciful there is not a verb. Verbs are action words, and they tell us what to do. So if this was a verb, if this word merciful was a verb, he would be saying, go and do mercy. Okay, it's an action word. But this word merciful is not a verb, it's a noun. Okay, verbs are action words, but nouns are identity words. They don't tell us just what to do. They tell us who to be. So when Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, he's not just talking about people who do acts of mercy. He is talking about people who are mercy. To be the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. The merciful ones. Okay, blessed are the merciful ones. In other words, Jesus, when Jesus preached this message, he was not just simply calling his followers to do something. He was calling them to be the merciful. And that's our challenge this morning, to be the merciful. To be the merciful means to be merciful like God is merciful. And that's the tall order. Listen to what Jesus, the standard that Jesus used for mercy. It's in Luke 6, 36. This is another place where Luke is uh, giving his account of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke 6, 36, Jesus said, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. That's the standard for mercy. To be merciful like God is merciful. That's what Jesus was calling all of us to do in this Sermon on the Mount. To be the merciful like God is the merciful, we need to know what God's mercy looks like in real life. Where can we get a real life example of what mercy like God's mercy is lived out to perfection? Where can we find that example? Well, once again this morning, we turn our focus back to the preacher. We put our attention back on the preacher of this message. Because in Jesus, we don't just find a good man who's giving us good advice. In Jesus, we find the man, the God-man, who when he speaks, speaks with the authority of God and then lives out what he says to perfection. So we don't just put our focus on just the sermon. To find the real-life example of what it means to be the merciful, we have to put our focus on Jesus and declare once again this morning, more like you. More like you, Jesus. That is the desire of our hearts. So if Jesus is the example, if he is the merciful one, and we're to be merciful like God is merciful, then that really brings us to the two questions that I want us to cover this morning. And there's only two that we'll be looking at. Both of these are about what it means to be the merciful. The first question is, how is Jesus the merciful? How is Jesus merciful? If we're going to be more like him, we can't really imitate him until we understand what mercy looks like in him. So we're going to look at Jesus and ask the question, how is Jesus merciful? And then once we've answered that question, we can move to the second question. How can we be the merciful just like Jesus is merciful? 
So we get his example, and then the application becomes pretty easy. We just say, what does Jesus do? Let's do that. Let's be more like him. He's the best example for mercy. So let's start with question one. How is Jesus merciful? So many ways. So many ways that he is merciful, like beyond the scope of a message like this. If you start reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the theme of mercy is everywhere. You can't escape this. This is a mountain that we couldn't even begin to take on in one message like this morning. And don't worry, I'm not going to try. We're just going to stay a little focused. So we're going to focus down onto just two ways that I think are so easy to see in the life of Jesus that, that really are definitive about his mercy. They really define his mercy. So two ways to answer this question. How is Jesus merciful? The first answer to this question is that Jesus draws close to those who are suffering. How is Jesus merciful? Jesus draws close to those who are suffering. It's a proximity issue. You can't be distant and be merciful. You ha- like, not like God is merciful. God's mercy is not distant. It is very close. Jesus draws close to those who are in suffering. You've experienced suffering in this world, yes? Have you experienced that before? All of us in here have. In fact, in John 16, 33, Jesus guaranteed his disciples that in this world they would have trouble. He said, in this world there will be suffering. We have all endured suffering in at least one And probably all these ways that I'm going to show you right here. We suffer in this world due to pain and sickness. Have you suffered in this world due to pain and sickness? Your own pain, your own sickness, or perhaps the pain and sickness of another person. We endure suffering. We suffer in this world due to tragedy and grief. Have you ever suffered because of tragedy or because of grief? Or the tragedy or grief that has happened in the life of a person close to you. We suffer in this world because of our own sin. I hate when I suffer because of my own sin. I I look at it and I go, man, that was avoidable. If I hadn't been doing that, I wouldn't be suffering like this right now. But we suffer in this world because of our own sin. And then we suffer in this world because of the sin of other people. That one's really hard. Because that one oftentimes is outside my control suffering is inflicted on me because someone all of a sudden decides to relate to me in a sinful way. We have all experienced suffering in this world. Perhaps you've suffered in all these ways that I just put up here in front of you. Suffering is part of this world. You and I are physically attached to this world. We can't escape this world. In fact, it's difficult for us to imagine an existence outside of this world, isn't it? I mean, from birth, from your very first cognitive moment, this is the world you have known. And to think about an existence, to think about a life detached from this world, is, it's beyond, nearly beyond our imagination. We can only imagine or dream about what a life might look like that isn't part of this world. We do not have the power to escape this world or to escape the suffering that is guaranteed because we live in this world. But God is not like us. He does have that power. His existence is not tied to this world. 
the theological word for this is transcendent, okay? And that word transcendent is a fancy word that just means that God is unique, that God is otherworldly, that his existence is not tied to this world. He's not like us. To really understand God's mercy, we have to understand that God doesn't have to put up with us. We have to understand that God doesn't have to be around this, that he can exist without this world, that he does exist apart from his world, this world, that his existence is not tied to this world. You know, King Solomon of the Bible understood God's transcendence. God appointed King Solomon to be the one to lead Israel to build the very first temple in Jerusalem. And they built this temple, and it was going to be a dwelling place for God on the earth. And certainly God chose for this temple to be the hot spot of his presence on the earth before Jesus arrived. Now that Jesus has come, where's the hot spot of God's presence on the earth? We are the hot spot of God's presence on the earth. We are the temple. We are his body. But before the arrival of Jesus, God chose that this temple in Jerusalem would be the hot spot of his presence on the earth. And King Solomon was the king chosen to build this first temple. But King Solomon knew that this temple could not contain God. That's why as soon as this temple was completed, this is what Solomon said in 1 Kings 8.27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. No temple can contain God. God is not confined to a temple. He's not confined to this world. God exists outside our world. Outside any temple, outside of sin, outside of suffering, outside of pain, God is not confined to any of it. He doesn't have to be around it. He is not subject to the troubles of this world. He is otherworldly. He is holy. He is transcendent. You get it? And that's what makes God's decision to draw close so incredible. That's what makes it so merciful. He doesn't have to be in proximity to us, and yet he chooses to be. He could distance himself from sin, but he draws close to sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He did not have to draw close. He chose to draw close. That is mercy. That is what mercy looks like. That is mercy lived out in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was known close for drawing close to sinners. In Matthew 9, 10 through 13, the scripture says, And Jesus reclined at table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and with his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat? with tax collectors and sinners. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was known for drawing close to sinners. He sat at table and ate with them. He, re he reclined with tax collectors and sinners. You know, those tax collectors needed his mercy. You know those sinners needed his mercy. You know those disciples needed his mercy. You know those Pharisees that challenged him needed his mercy. 
Every person in that story needed his mercy. And Jesus is not a God who is distant, but he is a God who draws close to our suffering so that we can find in him the mercy of God. Jesus came. That's what it says in this story. Jesus said, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came. He came because he is mercy. That's why Jesus came. Not for the well, but for the sick. Not for the righteous, but for sinners. Jesus came because that's what mercy does. Jesus came because mercy draws close. Jesus, mercy does not distance itself from suffering. Mercy draws close to suffering. So the first, the question we're answering right now, how is Jesus the merciful? Jesus draws close to those who are suffering. That is how Jesus is the merciful. He draws close to those who are suffering. But one more answer to this question. Again, it's a mountain. We could just go and go and go. Let's just do one more. He draws close to the suffering, but Jesus endures suffering to relieve, relieve us of our suffering. Not only does he get close to our suffering, but once he gets close, he endures suffering. He bears suffering with us in order to relieve us from our suffering. You know, when a person draws close to those who are suffering, they will inevitably have to endure suffering. You can't get close to suffering without enduring suffering. No one can do that. You know, empathy causes suffering. When I step into the shoes of another person, whenever I decide to really relate to them, to feel what they're feeling, to bear what they're bearing, to take on their burden with them, if they're suffering and I show empathy, I'm going to suffer because I'm putting myself in their shoes. I'm bearing that suffering with them. You know, grief causes suffering. And when I'm grieving, there have been people who have stepped into that suffering with me. And when they step into that suffering with me, what I've come to realize is how incredibly merciful that is. Because in order to be close to my grief, they have to endure my grief with me. They have to bear that load of grief with me. And in order for me to really be merciful to you in your grief, I have to get close to your grief. And I have to bear that load with you. So... Empathy causes suffering, grief causes suffering, sin causes suffering. And anytime we get close to sin, it causes suffering. Think about the brokenness that sin causes in homes. Think about homes that are defined by anger or hatred. That if we could listen in to what's going on behind closed doors in your house, that that's what would be heard. Or homes that are defined by selfishness or pride. Or homes that are defined by addiction or abuse. When those things are going on, man, there is suffering in that place. And if you're going to get close, like Jesus got close to tax collectors and sinners. If you're going to get close to people who are enduring, going through suffering because of sin, you're going to have to endure suffering. That's what Jesus had to do. He had to endure the suffering of others in order to get close to us and help relieve us of our suffering. Drawing close to suffering always causes suffering. And that's what happened to Jesus. Because Jesus drew close to our suffering, he had to personally endure suffering. Jesus died. Not for your sins, I mean, not for his sins, but for your sins and for my sins. 
Jesus died. He became sin for us. Jesus endured the betrayal of his disciples when they left him in his darkest hour. He had to really endure suffering because he endured that betrayal. Jesus endured suffering because of Simon's betrayal. Think about how Jesus must have felt when Simon betrayed him three times and the scripture says Jesus and Peter, their eyes met. And when their eyes met, how Jesus must have felt when he knew that his, one of his closest friends, Peter, had betrayed him three times. Jesus endured suffering by enduring physical torture, flogging and beating, spitting, crowns of thorns, nails, dying on the cross, until the full wrath of God was completely satisfied. The amount of suffering Jesus had to endure was based on the wrath of God towards all the sins of the world, your sins and my sins, being fully satisfied. Jesus endured bearing the weight of every sin being placed entirely on him. He endured the separation between him and his father. As painful as it was for Jesus to endure the pain of Peter's betrayal, think about Jesus losing contact with his heavenly father. He who had been one with the father from before the foundations of the world and now in this moment, as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus didn't bear that suffering because of his sin. Jesus bore that suffering because of your sin and my sin. He endured three days in the grave. Jesus suffered for our sin. Can we just stand in awe for just a moment? Of the preacher of this sermon. He who draws close to those who are suffering. He who endures suffering bears with us in our suffering to relieve us of our suffering. Aren't you glad that that's who he is? Where would we be if that's not who Jesus was? If he wasn't the kind of God who drew close to us in suffering. Think about where you would be if God said, I'm just not going to get close to you because you're a sinner. I'm going to withdraw from you. Because you've messed up. I'm going to withdraw from this suffering and this brokenness. Aren't you glad that God is a merciful God? And that Jesus is the merciful one. God in human flesh. So we hold up Jesus as the example. We hold up the preacher of this sermon. He is the merciful one. If we want to understand what it means to be merciful, we look at him. How is Jesus the merciful? Well, Jesus draws close to those who are suffering. And Jesus endures suffering to relieve us of our suffering. That's how God is the merciful one. That's how Jesus is the merciful one. So now that we've answered this question, we can answer question number two. Question two is, how can we be the merciful like Jesus is the merciful? Well, we answer the question the same way just by looking at what Jesus did. Jesus was the merciful because he drew close to those who were suffering and because he endured suffering with us. For us to be the merciful, we must draw close to those who are suffering. We can't distance ourselves from those who are suffering. We have to draw close to them and we have to be willing to endure suffering 
to help relieve others of their suffering. So many people have been so merciful to me in my suffering. I can remember times when I was in grief and sin, when things were a wreck in my life and other people stepped in and they drew close to me in my suffering and they endured that with me. I wish I could say that I've always shown mercy to those who are suffering the way that God shows mercy to me. That when someone else is enduring pain, that I step into their situation just like God steps into my situation. Sadly, there's been times in my life when my life is an illustration of what it looks like when we don't show mercy. So let me just tell you this quick story. Um, I was really close to my nanny and my papa when I was growing up. This is a picture of me with my nanny, and especially with my nanny. I was very close to her. I know they're trying to work this out, so let me pause just a second and let them finish that. It's okay. Really, it is. I understand. Okay, I just remember so many times when people have shown mercy to me when I was in the middle of suffering, when things weren't going well in my life. And I wish that I could say that I've always been a great example of that, but uh, this is my nanny. And when I was growing up, me and my nanny were very close. Um, my nanny, some of you know my grandma Phyllis, and Phyllis is my dad's mom, and nanny is Grandma Phyllis's mom, so she's my great-grandmother. And oftentimes, I would go with Grandma Phyllis, my grandma, over to Nanny's house, my great-grandmother's house, and we would just have the best times. I can remember Nanny was so hospitable. Some of you knew her hospitality. She would always have food ready. There would always be food to eat when you came over. There was always Coke in the fridge, and I didn't always get Coke as a kid, but I was able to get Coke when I went to Nanny's house, and that was always fun. And she always had Twinkies in the cabinet, you know, and we didn't get Twinkies ever except at Nanny's house. And we were at, when we were at Nanny's house, it was Nanny's rules. So we got to have all these kind of sweets while we were there. And so some of my sweetest childhood memories are with my Nanny and with my grandma growing up at her house. Well, some years passed, and Papa. He passed away and then a few more years passed and nanny she was facing an illness that would ultimately take her life and she was at a hospital up on the north side of town and was there for several weeks and i remember that i had just gotten my driver's license right around this time frame so i had the freedom of driving i could choose where i was going to go and i remember when nanny was in the hospital my parents asked me they said, are you going to go and visit your nanny? And my response to them at that point in time was, 
I don't think I'm going to go visit her. I, I just want to remember her the way she was. I want to not have this memory of her on her deathbed. I don't really like hospitals. I feel kind of uncomfortable uh, being around sickness, especially death. And so I think I'm just going to stay. And I, I remember that being what was going on in my heart. Well, a few more days passed and Nanny passed away. And I remember seeing her at the funeral and being sad for that. But I thought I had made the decision that would make me most happy. That's really what I was doing. I thought I made the decision that would make me most happy. You know, last week when Pastor Jerry was talking about blessed, he told us that the word blessed literally means happy. And this verse in the Bible says, blessed are the merciful. I thought I was making the decision that would make me happy, but I want you to know that I regret not going to see my nanny in the hospital. I called my grandma last night because I was thinking about this as an example, and I told her because I wanted her to know. And I, I had never told her as an adult that I was sorry that I didn't go. She said she's never thought that or held that against me. She knew I was young and, you know, growing in maturity at that time, and she was very gracious about it. But, you know, in order for me to be the merciful to my gr great-grandmother in that story, I would have had to draw close to her. And she wasn't really cognitive that much. So one could argue, well, how much mercy could you show her in that situation? What about my grandmother? What about my mom and my dad? What about showing up there? You know, mercy is dependent on proximity. God's mercy is. He drew close to us. If we're going to show mercy like he shows mercy, we have to draw close to those who are suffering. I couldn't show mercy in that situation because I didn't get close enough to it. And then if I went in that situation, I was going to have to be willing to endure suffering. That's true. It wouldn't have been comfortable for me. I didn't have very much maturity that time, and, but it's still not always comfortable, right? I mean, getting around those situations, it can feel so awkward and so weird. Sometimes I don't know what to say or how to comfort. Just being there is God's mercy. It's being merciful like God is merciful. And then when I get there, now opportunities start to show up where I can look for ways to relieve their suffering. Like, how about the simplicity of that hug from my grandma right there in that moment? Or that hug from my parents in that moment? Or just the fact that their son went up and went to the hospital. That's all mercy. And then who knows what else I might have discovered. Maybe I could serve my grandmother in some way. Maybe I could serve my parents in some way, but because I wasn't close, I didn't have the opportunity. It was, it was immediately forfeit. Mercy like God's mercy shows up, and then it endures the suffering in that moment in order to relieve other people from that suffering. That's what God's mercy looks like. So the question I have for us this morning or how are we doing as a church when it, become, when it comes to being more like Jesus? How are we doing when it comes to us being the merciful one? In order for us to be the merciful ones, in order for us to be more like Jesus, we have to follow his example. For our church to be the merciful, we must draw close to those who are suffering. For our church to be the merciful, we have to endure suffering to help relieve the suffering of others. How are you doing with that? How's our church doing with that? Well, church is a team sport. Following Jesus and becoming like Jesus is something we do together. And we need each other. 
to show us the way. Some of you may be like me whenever I had that situation going on with my nanny. You may go, I don't know how to show up and be merciful. You need to find someone who's good with it because discipleship's better caught than taught. You need to go with people who are good at being merciful. Show up with merciful people and learn from them how to be merciful to others. Our church is full of people who are great at being merciful. Many of you have been blessed by the mercy of others. So you need to do that. Church is a team sport. But what is your specific part on this team? You know, if church is a team sport, if discipleship is a team sport, then that means every person has a place to get out of the seats and into the game. There's a job for you on the team. There's something that you're supposed to be doing. So what is your part in mercy? How can you be the merciful? Well, first, in order for you to be the merciful, you have to cry out for mercy. You have to cry out for mercy. You will not have the power to show God's mercy to others until you have first received his mercy yourself. That's what Jesus was talking about. Remember that story of the unmerciful servant? When there was this master who was very powerful, very wealthy, and a servant owed him a great debt. And that servant went to that master and the master was calling for the debt and said, it's time to pay. And the servant just fell flat on his face and said, have mercy on me. I don't have the money. I'll get it in time. And you know what that master did? He didn't extend the time period for paying off the debt. He forgave the debt in whole. Oh, and that, that servant that was shown that mercy was so, that master was so merciful to him. And so he went out on the street and he found a guy who owed him just a little bit of money. And he called that guy over to him and he demanded that the guy pay the loan. And the guy fell on his feet and said, face and said, I will, I will pay you back, I promise, just give me more time. Well, what should he have done in this moment? The answer is obvious to all of us, but the man decided to hold the man who owed him just a little bit of money to his word. And he threw him in prison because he couldn't pay it back. And word got back to the master who had forgiven that servant of so great a debt. And he brought him back in his place. And this was the point of the parable. Jesus said, uh, the master said, should you not have shown the same kind of mercy that I showed you? You cannot show the mercy of God until you've received the mercy of God. Because you need to understand how much mercy God has shown you before you can show his mercy to other people. Listen to the voices of those who cried out for mercy in the ministry of Jesus. When they cried out, what did Jesus do? Jesus drew close to them. Two blind men cried out, have mercy on us in Matthew 9. And Jesus drew close and had mercy on those blind men. A woman whose daughter was vexed by the devil cried out, have mercy in Matthew 15. And Jesus had mercy and freed her from that bondage. A father whose son was oppressed by Satan cried out, Have mercy in Matthew 17. And Jesus drew close and had mercy and delivered the son from Satan. Blind Bartimaeus cried out over and over and over, Have mercy on me, Jesus. Have mercy on me, Jesus. And Jesus had mercy on him. Ten lepers cried out to Jesus, Have mercy on us in Luke 17. And Jesus responded in mercy. You know, in every case that these people cried out to Jesus for mercy, Jesus responded to them with mercy. But they had to cry out. They had to ask for his mercy. They had to understand their condition and see their need for the mercy of God. Do you understand your condition and have you seen your need for the mercy of God? 
Jesus did these signs to demonstrate that he has power over death and darkness. Jesus did these miraculous signs in preparation for an even greater work that he was planning to do. A work that would not only save just a few people, but would make a, a way for salvation for the entire world. Jesus had a plan to die for our sins in his mercy so that we could escape darkness and live as children of light. I remember who I was. I remember who I was when I lived in darkness, when darkness had its hold on me. I remember who I was when I was an enemy of God and his wrath was on me justly because of my sin. I remember when I was a son of disobedience and I remember when Jesus showed me how much I needed him and I cried out for his mercy and his mercy came running to me. It didn't wait. It didn't delay. It was not distant. It came close. He has borne my suffering for me. When I saw my need for mercy and cried out to Jesus, Jesus responded. And I wonder, have you ever seen your need for the mercy of God and cried out to Jesus? If you will do that, he will respond to you. This is the greatest and most urgent need that all of us have for the mercy of God to be saved from our sin, and to find a new life in Jesus. Have you received that mercy that washes your sins, that makes a way for you to be forgiven? If you have not, God is waiting. His mercy is ready for you. Would you respond to him today? You know, our need for God's mercy doesn't stop after we get saved after Jesus saves us from our sin. Our need for God's mercy is every day because everywhere that there's suffering, there is a need for God's mercy. And I'm enduring suffering all the time. The more I can recognize how much I need God's mercy, the more I experience his mercy and begin to understand just how merciful he is toward me. So the first thing is you have to cry out for mercy. That's your part. And then your second part is the mercy you show between gatherings is what will really define us as a church. And I'm going to wrap us up right here. So the mercy that you show in between gatherings. You know, there's some opportunities to show mercy on a Sunday morning. You should look for those opportunities. But they're kind of limited in this setting. There's some opportunities for you to show mercy in a small group. Whenever you gather with those, in fact, there's more in a small group. If you're not connected with a small group, that's where we work together hand in hand, um, shoulder to shoulder to become like Jesus and help others become like him. If you're not connected to a group, we want to encourage you, get connected to a group where you can work together with other believers to become more like Jesus. And there's opportunities in those group meetings to show mercy, but those opportunities in the group meetings are limited. What will really define us as a church is not the mercy that we show at gatherings. What will really define us as, as a church is the mercy that we show in between gatherings. In between the times that we get together, what does mercy look like in our church? How merciful are we? Do we draw close to people in suffering or not? Do we endure suffering to help relieve them of their suffering or not? The opportunities in group and on Sunday are limited, but the opportunities in your life are so ongoing and they will present themselves to you every day. So how are you doing? Are you being the merciful in between church gatherings? For example, how do you respond when your spouse sins against you? 
or when your spouse just does something that irritates you? Would you say that your response is a merciful response? You see, what we do behind the closed door of our homes matters so much for the culture we have as a church and us becoming like Jesus and working on that together for us to be the merciful. It can't just be something we do in public. It has to be with those people who are closest to us behind closed doors. How about your response to your children, parents? Or children, how about your response to your parents? Does it look like mercy? Do you draw close to their suffering? Do you endure suffering on their behalf? Are you willing to respond with mercy when they sin against you? Or if you're in a small group, how are you treating people in your small group? What about your relationship with the lost? When is the last time that you sat across a table from someone and ate with them who didn't know Jesus just because you wanted to build a relationship with them to show them God's mercy? When's the last time you sat with someone to eat with them that's a less mature believer and you were spending time with them just because you wanted to help them grow in their maturity in Christ? You see, these are the acts that happen in between the gathering that make a huge difference on whether or not we are known how Jesus wants us to be known as the merciful. You know, God's will for our church is that we would be like Jesus so that when the world sees us, they would see him. And when the world sees us, they would see his mercy. So the challenge of this message is not to convince you that God is merciful. I hope that you've seen God's mercy as we've talked about God, his response to people as we've talked about Jesus. The challenge of this message is to convince all of us that we are to be merciful just like Jesus is merciful. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's how God wants you to be? That he wants you to be merciful just like Jesus is merciful. The question then that we're left with is how does God want you to be merciful today? How does he want you to be merciful this week? Would you bow with me as we pray? Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to move in this room. Thank you, God, that you not only speak to us through the preaching of your word, but your Holy Spirit talks to each one of us individually. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall heavy right here, right now. Lord, would you show us what your mercy looks like? And would you call us to be the merciful ones, just like you, Jesus, are the merciful one? Help us, God. We can't show mercy to others without your mercy. Show us how merciful you are all the time towards me, towards each one of us. God, how you endure our sin. And God, I say, oh, I messed up again. And when I come back to you, you're always merciful. Gracious and loving, forgiving. Thank you for being merciful like that, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be merciful like you're merciful. To not take your mercy for granted, but to stand in awe of the way that you show mercy to us and then 
to extend that same kind of mercy to those around us. Lord, I pray for homes right now that are struggling because of the brokenness of sin. Lord, I pray that your mercy would win in those homes. Lord, I pray for those homes right now that are struggling because of grief. Lord, I pray that your mercy would win in those homes. Lord, I pray for the homes where there is struggling because of tragedy. Lord, would your mercy please win in those homes. Lead us to you, Jesus, to run to you and to find your mercy, God to experience it and to cry out for it so that we know it firsthand. And then, Lord, to give us your power to show it to others. Lord, I pray that we would be defined as a church that shows up for those who are sick in the hospitals. I pray we'd be a church that shows up for those who are in prison. I pray we'd be a church who shows up for all people. Lord, those who are in the bondage of addiction, those who are immigrants, those who are of a different race than us, those who are much younger or much older, a different generation, those who have chronic illness, those who are poor and hungry and homeless. Lord, may you fill our hearts with your love and your mercy because that's who we are. We are desperate before you, God. We need your mercy. Thank you that you are the merciful one. That's who you are, your identity. Lord, would you please help us live by faith that we are the merciful ones too because you are in us. Would you help us to walk in that faith every day? Now, Lord, we just pause right here and we ask you, would you prompt our hearts right now about mercy that we need to show in between gatherings? And I ask you, church, would you just pause and pray and ask God right now personally, Jesus, how do you want me to be the merciful one? between now and next Sunday, between now and my next small group meeting, how do you want me to be the merciful one, just like you are merciful? Ask God to show you and listen to him. Has God prompted you of a way that you could show mercy to someone else? Would you write it down right now? Make a note. Don't let it slip out of your mind. Be intentional about being the merciful one, just like Jesus is the merciful one. God, thank you for this time. We ask that you would just help us become more like you as we leave this place. I pray you bless our small groups as they meet this week. Bless their discussion and grow us up into your image, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said...